Lord, I pray tonight that you would spread your garment out over your people. Cover us with your robe, Lord, that we would be under your protection. But Lord, I ask also that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, it doesn't do us any good to simply be critical if we aren't doing anything about reaching the lost. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and stir us in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining in. Now, I said that tonight's message was serious, and that's because I mean it. Not just to get you to listen into the program, but because it is a serious time that we are living in. You know, I have preached all around uh, the state where I live in and uh, in one of the other states I frequently travel to. If you want to know who the remnant call, who Brother Frank is, okay? Brother Frank doesn't fit anything that you probably think I do fit into. I'm going to give you who I am in a very small um, uh, nutshell right here. Who am I? Well, I am an unworthy, unworthy, filthy person who found out that the most filthy of us have a chance if they are willing to be saved by the grace of God alone. I didn't have a single thing to offer the Lord in my drug addiction and all of the sin that I was involved in, but by his grace, I was saved. At the same time, I am a commandment-keeping believer. I believe in following the commands of the Lord. I don't celebrate pagan holidays, but I don't hate people who don't always agree with me. That's the problem where I get really upset with other people is when they badmouth every single person that doesn't exactly believe the way that they do because they forget the journey that they've been on. And we all learn at different stages in our walk with the Lord. And just because you came on to a truth that someone else hasn't quite gotten to yet doesn't mean that that person is anathema in the eyes of God. It does mean that the Lord reveals things as we can handle them. And sometimes he reveals things to us and we forget the grace and mercy that he has delivered to us. I have fellowshiped with the most rigid believers. I thought we had a lot in common until I realized the spirit of the Lord was not present. I've also fellowshiped with the liberal side of the believers until I realized that, you know what, they don't care about anything except humanism and how everything can only benefit them. There is no standard by which they will say yes or no to. And that is a point that I eventually had to say, you know what, I've got to separate from this. But it doesn't mean that I hate these people. It doesn't mean that. Because, folks, we're in this, and we've got to pull together, and there, the Lord will separate. But he is calling us at this hour to make a very, very poignant decision. Who are you going to serve? Now, I shared a story a good long while back on this program. I don't even remember how long ago. But I want to share it again tonight because it's a reminder of what I'm trying to say, and I believe the Lord is trying to say to many people in this hour. See, I grew up, I was a wild man. I was out of control, drugs, alcohol, chasing after women. I did I fighting, whatever I wanted to do, anything that could boost my ego. And I remember one night we were going to a party up in the mountains here. I live, I'm a country boy, and we were heading up to the mountains, and we drank the whole way, smoking dope all the way up there. And we were in high school and having a good time. And I remember that night a a guy had bet me, he said, I bet you can't drink the bottom from this half gallon of uh, 
Brewski Vodka was called. I remember it still. I bet you can't drink from the bottom of that label all the way to the end straight. And I said, for 200 bucks, he bet me. I mean, I didn't know that kind of money. And I said, man, I'll puke my guts out all night long. So I took it, turned it up, thought I finished the whole thing. Apparently a little bit was caught in the corner of the bottle that I didn't finish, but he still gave me 50 bucks. And I considered that a real win back in the day. I was happy. Well, that night I ended up having a complete blackout. I had been drinking for so long before, smoking so much dope and everything, and then that alcohol sent me into a total blackout. The only reason I know what happened after that night is because I had friends with me, and I had one specifically that rode home with me that night that told me what happened. As we were coming back down the road, we were at a place where it's called Blue Hole, and there's a steep cliff where it drops off the edge right there down the mountainside. And as I was coming around that area, somewhere in that area right there, I started to drift off the road. And my friend yelled at me. And right before we went off, I jerked the car back on the road and just barely made it. And he had no idea that I was in a complete and total blackout. And I used to get so tore up. Uh, they, you know, we said tore up from the floor up. That's how I'd be messed up. But I never really had blackouts. So I didn't have that excuse. I didn't remember. I usually always remembered except this one time. Well, that night I went home and I apparently the next morning when I woke up, I had somehow gotten under my bed. I had I played guitar and some things. And I had them on top of me. Somehow I got under the covers. I got up the next morning. I felt so bad. I walked into the bathroom and I realized I had thrown up all over in the bathtub the night before. And it scared me. And I realized that I should have died not only from alcohol poisoning, but from running off of a cliff. And it shook me up for a moment because I knew that I was living right on the edge that night and with many nights, but this one shook me hard. But as much as it shook me up and as much as I realized how close to death I was, and even though I knew that my, my life was wrong and what I was doing, and I understood just truly how lucky I was to still be alive, it wasn't enough to wake me up. Instead, I went the exact opposite direction, deeper into a life of total surrender under the power of the enemy of the soul until he owned my life. Thank God the Lord broke that 19 years ago and woke me up. So here I am now, 19 years a believer. I'm 44 years old. I've served my country. I've been in a lot of really crazy situations in my life, most of them self-induced. But 19 years now, I have been at some points on top of the mountain, slaying the prophets of Baal, and for metaphorically. I've also been in the valley, just like when Elijah was saying, Lord, take my life. Now, I didn't ask him to take my life, but I know what it's like to be down to that pit where you feel so low because you have feared, because you have gotten your value from other people. You see, Elijah feared Jezebel. And because when you get your value from other people, like I used to do for years, I used to fear letting people down. Now, I had an ego back in the day the size of Texas, and I loved to fight so I could show that I was tough. But it was all a facade for what was going on wrong inside of me. But one of the biggest fears I began to face was the fear of failure and the fear of letting men and women down. I was a people pleaser. 
and I needed to wake up. And I understood what it meant to be on top of the mountain and in the bottom of the valley. But I realized that even though God took Elijah at one point, or he went himself down into the valley, where he was worried about Jezebel, if you read 2 Kings chapter 1, the Lord took him back up on top of the mountain, and he actually called down fire again. A lot of people don't know that, that Elijah called down fire twice in the Bible. Because the Lord is faithful to bring us back. But I am concerned right now. I am very concerned about the state of what we call the church today. There are splits happening in many churches. Liberals hate conservatives. Conservatives can't stand the liberals. And everyone has an argument as to why they are more righteous than the other. And everyone is so focused on the other person because of the cultural pressures that are going on today. People are being pressured into doing things that are so ungodly and so unacceptable. And they are being shoved down our throats saying that, hey, you know what, brother, you, listen, listen, you've misunderstood this for years, okay? You were born that way. It's okay. God loves you just how you are. We have no right to tell you how to live or who you can love. Folks, that is not from God. That's from the devil. If you have a desire that is ungodly, that's why we go to the Lord. That's what the sacrifice of Jesus was all about. That's why we come humbly. Okay, it does, just because you were born with tendencies to be an adulterer doesn't give you the right to run around on your wife. And just because you might have attractions to the same sex doesn't give you the right to act upon that and live that way. That's what God came to deliver us from. That's what God came to set us free from. You know, it's interesting how we work so hard to end up justifying the very things we want. But yet you read in Ezekiel chapter 9. The angel with the inkhorn is told to go and mark all those who sigh and cry for the abominations that were being committed in Jerusalem. And then he says, you know what? Destroy everyone else. So instead of brokenness and hurt and weeping and crying over the sins that are being committed in this world and being broken for the lost instead of just criticizing them, instead we are puffed up in our own eyes and justified in our own positions and we're calling this religion today and it's an abhorrent and unacceptable in the eyes of God. See, Paul warns us very plainly, friend, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is what Paul says starting in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What Paul is saying here is quit fooling yourself. Quit acting like you can live like the devil and expect that God's going to be okay with it. Listen, folks, God does love us where we are. He accepts us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us in that position. When Jesus found the woman who was brought to him, caught in the act of adultery, and he said, woman, where is thine accuser? And she said, there's no man that stands there accuser. He says, neither do I. He says, go and sin no more. You know, I remember my uncle used to say, whenever we would finally start believing what Jesus said, maybe there would be a change. 
Whenever we would believe that the Lord says, go and sin no more. If he told her to go and stop doing that, don't you think the Lord could give her the power to live in his holiness? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about God has the ability to help us overcome any sin that so easily besets us. Read the promises in Isaiah 58. God talks about fasting the way he asks you to fast. And it's humbling, drawing out your soul to the hunger and seeking him. He says he will break every yoke. Yet today in churches, we're saying, no, live how you want to live. Do how you want to do. Don't you dare tell me not to do this. I've got a friend right now that is so torn up by what's happening in his church because they're letting a man come in there and speak in that church that is living with another woman out of wedlock. And he's like, what is going on in here? What's going on in this world today? We're allowing things that God says absolutely not to be leadership in churches. Folks, we all have struggles. Don't get me wrong. We all have sins that we struggle with. But when you start justifying your sin and you turn off your conscience and you remove the conviction out of your heart and you say, you know what? It's okay. You, my friend, are walking in a very dangerous place. But you know what? It's not just all the fighting that's going on in churches that I'm concerned about because there's always been fighting in there. You see, really this is also a a slightly a bit of a different message from that only. What I'm concerned about right now is not all the fighting that goes on in the mainstream Uh, so-called churches. What I'm concerned about in those people that call themselves believers, and I'm asking a question today, are you awake? Is the church awake? See, I would like to preface the rest of this message tonight with just a little caveat here. There are always those who are following after God scattered throughout all churches. They're known as the remnant whether it's in the churches, home fellowships, wherever. But there seems to be a shift in the messages that are being preached today, a message of ease that has crept into the church, and many people are not taking their walk with Jesus seriously anymore. If I was to ask you right now, how many listening to this show have ever read the entire Bible? How many of you could say yes to that? How many here spend quality time with the Lord alone daily in prayer? How many in here, listening here think upon the needs of others and, and, and how they can minister to them? If you think about it, some of those questions might hit us right at home. But let, let me just change it slightly because maybe this could resonate with a few of you there. How many listening right now love to talk about others and criticize each other But they always love to preface it, well, we just need to pray for that person. Or, you know, uh, how can I possibly show you how humble I am by gossiping about my brother and then saying, well, maybe we'll just pray for him at the end so I can make it look like I'm humble. See, I found one thing that's very, very adamant amongst those who call themselves also believers. That sometimes those who believe they're walking the closest that think they're living the most holiest, I have found sometimes to be the most rigid, unloving, ungodly people. 
because they are so self-righteous in their own eyes. But if you've ever come into contact with somebody who truly cares about the lost, it's a joy. It's a blessing. And you know what? You can talk hard messages in church and care about the lost in this world. See, I'm asking these questions because I want us to realize that instead of reading the word, seeking God's face, and spending time in prayer with him, that we have become content with just either going to church or our home fellowship, offering a quick prayer a day keeps the devil away, or listening to a small YouTube video and thinking, hey, I'm good. When in reality, so many people, even listening right now, are so empty, so broken, so lost, and so defeated, and so unfulfilled in their walk with Jesus. See, if you don't spend time with God, then don't be surprised if you feel defeated in your walk with God. So when I look around in churches today, because I preach at a lot of different churches, not ones that I necessarily attend, I go anywhere the Lord calls me to go. If the Lord is truly calling me to go there, I will speak there, even if it's not where I, who I agree with. But if the Lord calls me, I go. But what I see today is a lot of lip service and very true little action going on. Many are just going through the motions, coming to church, but very little real commitment to Jesus Christ. But you know what else I find at these churches? That many times when I go into a church and I'll speak a word and I'll lay it out as plain and clear as possible by God's grace and mercy and through the power of his spirit, I find a small group of people that are so hungry and starving for the word of God because they feel so empty hearing these empty, no Christ-filled messages coming out of the pulpit today, pleasing men's ears, and they're starving to death. And I've realized that the word of God is so true that there is a famine in the land of hearing the true word of God. See, when was the last time, brother or sister, you read the scripture and you got so fired up over what was in there that you had to run out and tell somebody, hey, brother so-and-so, hey, sister so man, check this out, what I read in the Word of God. This is, man, you got to check this out. This is insane. This is amazing stuff. you got to read it. When was the last time you felt that excitement? I praise the Lord that I have good friends who are excited about God and we talk about the scripture, but I see some people that I never see that excitement come into their lives. And folks, the Bible is exciting. It's full of truth and it is our guide to these last days. Let me just say this plainly. The majority of those calling themselves the church are asleep. You see, there's a crisis going on right now in the world, folks. Let's not, we've been talking about it in our last programs, but if you haven't heard this past week, Russia just announced they are preparing for war. Preparing for war. Our tensions between the two countries are now coming near Cold War levels. Christian genocide's happening all over the world. Traditional marriage is a thing of the past. If you notice the continual releasing of USO stories by the, by the media, the UFO stories, folks, they're setting us up for a UFO deception that's coming here, trying to put in some false savior from who knows where. I'm telling you, we're being set up for deception. That's why we must know the true word of God. So whatever they try to throw at us, we won't be deceived. Young girls are being taught by Planned Parenthood that violent sexual practices are now normal. 
Our borders are wide open. Folks, let me tell you right now, you look at how many people are still flowing across the border. It is out of control. I know the president's trying to stop, but it is going crazy. Then we have so many people. And listen, folks, I want to help those that are despaired. But listen, you are letting people, we are letting people into this country that have diseases that we have no immunities to, that our bodies cannot resist. And when a nation lets down its walls and borders, destruction and collapse will look at look at what's going on right now in our society the sign of lot is happening all around folks listen i did a whole program on the sign of lot the most untalked about prophecy or something and i can't remember what un uh i can't remember maybe it's unholy days it was one of the two or something like that we talked about the sign of lot well, you've got to go hear that message there's some research in there that's mind-blowing that will help you to understand that this thing of homosexual marriage goes back so far into possibly even pre-flood times was is, is some research even in the ancient writings have shown that this may have been the actual kicker that happened right before the very flood and that's why jesus says two signs before his return the sign of noah and the sign of lot we will be in the days of lot folks this is the days of lot it's not only about homosexuality but it's about a sexually deprived society that even when the angel blinded the men they were still clamoring to find the door that's how lost they were, and it's happening everywhere. The CDC has warned us of deadly viruses all around. Babies are being murdered in the womb. The nations are aligning against Jerusalem uh, and, and, uh, and the United States for the Ezekiel 38 battle and what's being fulfilled in Zechariah 12. And you can just go on and on. You all know this, many that listen to this. We are living in perilous times. And my question is, where is the church? Where are the people of God? You know, every, the people are criticizing the president. The president's criticizing the media. And the whole time, the world is burning, and all people care about is politics right now. It consumes the society, and it consumes the people of God. And what I'm saying, where is the church at dealing with the issues that are important to salvation in this world, like winning souls for the lost? Forget about what the government's doing. Forget about what's going on. What is going on in the church in this hour when there is an attack like never before on everything we believe to be right and wrong? The word calls us the world calls us haters, and we have gone silent. Everybody is coming out of the closet today. And I'm wondering, when are the Christians, when are the believers going to come out of the closet and let people know who we are? See, I'm sending out a wake-up call to the church tonight. President Kennedy in 1958 quoted the great parliamentarian Edmund Burke and said this, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. My question is, how can we remain silent in such a great time of distress? If we cannot stand up now, how will we stand up, folks, when all hell has broken loose. If we don't fast, pray, study, seek the word of God, and witness to others, what will we do when they, when they come to haul us off to prison camps for our faith? Folks, listen, being saved by grace is a wonderful thing, not of works, but God's called us to action, to save the lost. 
Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Go ye into all the world as a witness. You know, we are to preach the everlasting gospel, not sit here and complain what's going on in the politics today, but to make a difference for the loss of this world so that they can understand that there is hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they can believe on his name and he will save their lives. And he can make changes to even those who look unchangeable. If I sound extreme, it's because we live in an extreme time. I can't just come up here and say, you need to just be more relevant to your community like I've heard so many times more. No, we need to shout from the rooftops, repent for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now that, folks, is relevant. You see, Joel has a call for the body of believers in this hour. Joel has a call that is very important, and I want to just share something from the book of Joel in chapter 2. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there for just a moment, Joel chapter 2, because I believe that this is absolutely end-time instructions for the church of God today. There are so many people that talk about revival. And we need revival. I believe in revival. Revival is powerful. But God has a prescription for what actually works for revival in the Bible. Um, there has been studies out there that have shown that every revival that happened in the Old Testament and even in the New, in Acts and everything, followed the exact same kind of patterns. God doesn't change. And this is what the Lord talks to us in these last days, and this is what he says to do. Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Now remember, Joel has some writings that are for his time, for what's going on, but also he has writings for this is the detailed instructions for the day of the Lord, the last days. This is the end. This is what we are supposed to be doing. He says it's a day of darkness and of gloominess and of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains of great people and a strong people, there hath not been ever the likeness neither shall there be any more after even to the years of many generations and so Joel continues down here listen to what he actually tells us to do he says therefore also now saith the Lord turn ye even to me with all your heart and with all and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful slow in anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil who knoweth that he will return will turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegrooms go forth of the chambers and the bride out of his closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and grieve not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. So Joel calls it out and says, listen, I want you to draw attention to the day of the Lord, okay? 
the end times. This is what we do when it's all coming apart at the seams. We gather the children, we get the elders together, we call the church, and we sanctify a fast. We call a solemn assembly, and we weep between the altar and the porch. We wail before the Lord, and we cry out to the Lord. God is calling us to a time of humility and repentance before him. And God wants us to wake up. In Joel 2, this is the day of the Lord. This is what we are to do. Revival, folks, is not just a slick set of sermons by a fancy preacher. But it is deep repentance that moves the soul into such a depth of inner self-inspection that when the believer comes out of it, they are ready for action. You see, revival starts many times, folks, with brokenness, but it ends with rebuilding and revival that ends in salvation for the lost. You see, when it all comes apart, when it's all falling down, when everything's going south, when it's all coming apart, God has a mission for us, and that is to save the lost of this world. I got good news, though. It's not too late for us. Even though the church is missing the mark, folks, it's not too late to make a change now. You see, God has given us a window of time to turn our hearts to him, to make a change, to give right, to use this time wisely so that he can use us. Yes, God wants to use us to help bring the gospel to others. Folks, the Lord is calling you to action. Turn with me to James chapter 4, starting in verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You see, James is talking about here, by the under the power of the Spirit of the living God, that we need to submit ourselves. It come, There's a time when you need to draw out not your soul unto the Lord, to be afflicted, to mourn and weep, and to seek the Lord with all of your heart and to humble yourself. And God says, if you will humble yourselves before him, that he will raise you up. It's not about being broken every day of the life. Folks, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about going down and letting the Lord rebuild you like the potter's clay in Jeremiah's day. When the potter saw that it was kind of marred, that he had to rework it once again. The Lord needs to rework us from these last days and these last hours so we will be useful to helping reach the lost. I know this might sound radical to some people. But the good news is that God is not only willing, but he's wanting to make a change in your life today. See, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 as I wind this message down, folks. And I know the preachers come out a little bit in me tonight, and and I'm sorry. I know this is just a podcast, but folks, I believe in what I'm telling you with all my heart. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit. 
spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? You see, the church in Laodicea had a real big problem. They were fence sitters, yes. And God was angry. Because if you've ever been in love with somebody, if you've ever been a guy in love with a girl or a girl in love with a guy, and you've wanted that person to make a commitment, and you keep going out and you're hoping one day they'll pop the question, or you're hoping that, the, that we can take it to the next level, and the person never gets, never makes a move, they just keep leading you on and stringing you down. After a while, you get frustrated with that person. And God's saying, you know what? You, you can't make a decision in your life. You, 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 you can't either be warm or hot. You know, if you were warm, you could absorb into the body. But if you're, if you were cold, you could just pass on through. Because you can't, if you're hot, you know, you could absorb. But because you're warm, you just fester in the belly of God, and He is going to spew us out. You see, the Lord used this because He knew the cisterns and the things that the water systems in Laodicea, and He understood that this would resonate with the people, so that they could understand what this meant. But because thou sayest, I am enriched. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And God says, you know what your problem is? You think everything's going well. See, the problem in the Laodicean church was they thought that they had everything going on right. They're at prayer meeting, they're at service, they're, you know, they're, they're out doing whatever the events are. Everything's going good, right, Lord? See me, look at, see what I'm doing. And the Lord says, you don't even understand. You think you got it together and you're so lost, you can't even see it, that you're walking around naked. You don't even understand the state of your own condition. But God still cared for him. Verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous, therefore and repent. You see the Lord saying, listen, you're a disaster, but I'm not willing yet to give up. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down in the Father's throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Today, folks, Jesus is knocking at the doors of our hearts and wanting to come in. Wanting to sit down and have a meal with us. Wanting to wake up his church for this final hours of earth's history. Won't you let him come in? You see, church, the Bible says that even though the Lord might have the 99 of the flock all in the right place, if there's just one lost sheep, He's going to leave the rest and he's coming after him. 
You see, many of us, we get messed up. We get out there. We played church. At one time, we were on fire for the Lord. But something began to happen over our life that we started to slip. We started to get complacent. We started to get busy and overwhelmed with the cares of this world. And the Lord sees us that we don't even recognize the state that we're in. And God says, you know what? You're a complete disaster, but I'm still knocking at the door trying to get in. You see, you don't have to live a half-hearted, unfruitful life in Jesus. Our God is full of power. And he's eagerly waiting to pour out his spirit unto those who ask. Won't you let the Lord come in? Won't you let him come in tonight? You see, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I'm 19 years now as a believer. I shared my story over a year and some ago. But I'll close with this tonight. I had the privilege of going in and speaking to my daughter's eighth grade class and sharing them with them about her father's life of drug addiction. I put my family through hell like you can't imagine. My poor wife put up with more than she should have ever had to. And the worst part of all of it was, I didn't even care. All I cared about was me. 19 years ago, I got up one morning, so strung out on meth, smoking so much dope, abusing pills, drinking alcohol, doing everything wrong under the sun that you could possibly imagine. And as I was coming home that day, I met Jesus in my vehicle while driving down the road. You see, I'd been reading Brother Benjamin's book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And while I was reading that book, the Lord began to break through. I didn't even know really who the Lord was. I'd went to church, but I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about being saved. I knew and heard about it, but I didn't know how to. And that day as I was going down the road and everything was going on wrong, my wife was leaving me, everything's over in life. I didn't even know it. I was so ignorant. I lied so much. I was caught up and wrapped in my own lies. I believed things that I said that weren't even true because I couldn't re- distinguish between reality and, and, and what was lie anymore because I'd been doing it for so long. And that day as I was going down the road thinking I'll never get out of this state that I'm in, I'm so tore up on drugs, I'm doing everything wrong you can possibly imagine. I broke everything broke that day. And as I was driving down the road, I started to cry. Because it was at that moment that the Lord had revealed it to me. He said, Frank, you're going to die. I'm not saying I heard this audibly. I don't know what happened. I just know it was burning in me. Frank, you're going to die and you're going to end up in hell. I didn't want to go. But I deserved it. And it was at that moment that, that God offered me another way. 
And I cried out and I said, Lord, I will give my life to you if you will just take these drugs from me. And at that moment, when I hit the very bottom of my life, and what led up to it was years and years of of self-torture. And when I hit the bottom that day and I cried out from the honest of honest hearts that Jesus came down and saved my life right in my vehicle while I was driving down the road. I don't know how to explain it, but I met the Lord for the first time in my life that day. And I got in my vehicle, I kept on my vehicle, I was still driving. And I'm in a complete and utter daze. I, I don't understand everything that just took place. Something just changed in my life. I just met the Lord. I just had a most shocking experience. I threw all my drugs out the window. I drive home. I run in my house as fast as I can down there. I sling open the door and I tell my wife all these things that were going on. And she knew what was happening. And I looked at her and I said, are you going to leave me? I didn't even know she was already leaving. And my wife, she went into the bathroom for a while because she was so freaked out at what just took place. And I sat there on the couch that day. And I thought to myself, I just met the Lord. He just saved my life. I just got delivered from these drugs. And now I'm going to lose my family. It was what seemed like an eternity. My wife came out of the bathroom and I remember she looked right at me and I said, are you going to leave? And she said, it's over. It's finished. I'm not going anywhere. God laid it on her heart while she was in the bathroom that her husband was done forever. And that day, God saved my life and my family. I was crying in tears. I picked up. I used to be so angry with my dad because he got turned around. He used to do the same things like I would do at times. And my dad got his life straightened out. He followed the Lord. And I used to hate how he'd always want to go to church and all these things. It drove me crazy. But it, it was thank, so thankful that dad never gave up. And I remember I got on the phone. I called up dad and I, and I was crying. I said, dad, today I gave my life to Jesus. And my dad, we were crying. And I said, Dad, it's like the Lord told me. I don't know anything about hearing the Lord's voice, folks. I don't know if I heard it audibly, but I knew it. I didn't even understand this stuff. This just took place. I said, Dad, it's like the Lord told me I have answered your father's prayers. And my dad said, Son, we have been getting together with other families, and I'm repenting for the sins we passed on to our children. The Bible says I'll pass the sins of the father on to the son into the third and fourth generation. My grandfather left my dad when he was seven years old. My father left, uh, got divorced when I was in uh, kindergarten, and every one of us took the exact same paths in life. And that day, God broke the curse of my family. And yeah, I know tonight's message is about waking up, but folks, I'm here to tell you there's hope. There is hope. I don't know what you're struggling with, what you're trapped in, but I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. He's faithful 
and he is true and he will deliver and you can take that to the bank. I'm going to close with prayer. Father, I thank you so much. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for us. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. I was worthy of hell. And you offered me salvation. And Lord, there's so many people that are listening that are struggling right now. And they need some hope, Lord. That you can save and turn this around. And so, Lord, I'm praying for that person right now that's saying, God, I am so helpless. Help me right now. I'm asking in the name of Yeshua that you would bless them and help them, Lord, to come unto you, to open the door, that you would come bend unto them, and that you would deliver, Lord. Renew their faith. Give them hope that not a one of them would give up. And, Lord, if they can't walk, then carry them right now. I ask this in your powerful name, Yeshua. Amen. Folks, this is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Hey, hey,